Thank you. We'll give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in the house of God today? Yeah, you know, wherever the presence of God is, um, anything can happen. All right? Say to your neighbor, anything can happen. All right? I said to the other person, you just need to raise your expectation. Yeah, anything can happen in the presence of God. Amen. Um, that which you desire, um, he can meet you at your point of need today. Hallelujah. So let's, uh, and you know, whenever the Lord wants to minister to us, he usually starts by his word. He ministers through the word. So pay attention to the word today because you'll get insight that will take you to the next level. Yeah, say, I'm going to the next level. <clears throat> and the revelation knowledge of the word of God will, will take you there. Well, let's have a word of prayer before we get straight into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just so excited to be in the presence of God today. Uh, we're, we're so excited because in your presence there's fullness uh, an overflow, an abundance of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that is what we seek today. We, we seek the joy of your presence. The joy of revelation knowledge. The joy of insight. Lord, uh, I, I don't think anything of myself to, to uh, uh, you know, as I speak the word today. It is you that has made me an able minister of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. So I, I give room, I give space to the Holy Spirit today to rise big on the inside of me. I give space to the living water to flow unhindered today. Lord, we thank you because the word of God will be like a hammer, will be like, will be like fire that burns to pieces. A, a, a hammer that destroys uh, the walls of opposition. And it will be like bread, oh God, that satisfies us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You know, Jesus said in John 15 verse 8, he said, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. In the same chapter in verse 5, he said that the person who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So the work of the Holy Spirit within us is to bring us, is to bring you and I to a place where we fully express Christ. You know, um, Solomon was talking about the higher life. The work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and I is to bring us to a place where we fully express Christ who is in us, in our character. Another way of saying that is that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring the fruit of Christ out in our lives or to bring that fruit to a place of full blossom. Where whenever people bite into you, whenever people experience you, they experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and all these wonderful things. That is what gives God glory or causes God to receive glorification through your life. 
Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, he said, by their fruit, you shall know them. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He said, by their fruit, you shall know them. He didn't say by their cars, by their watches, by the size of their buildings. You shall know them, but by their fruit. Isn't that correct? And the fruit he's referring to is that by your love, by your joy, by your peace, by your long-suffering, by your patience, by your kindness, by your goodness, and by your self-control, people will know them. They will know the people of God because the higher life of God exhibits itself in the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is at work within you and I, focused on bringing glory to God and Christ in our lives through the production of His fruit in us. Now, how does He do this? How does He bring out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Well, we established this a few weeks ago, that as you and I abide in Christ, as you and I maintain unbroken fellowship with Him, He produces His fruit in our lives. And then last week we established the fact that God, in producing His fruit in our lives, will put us through a process of training. Everyone say to your neighbor, training. Say to the other person, you are going to be trained. He's going to put us through a training program that is focused on effecting His work in our lives. We said He's going to lead us down a path that requires humility. Because we saw in the life of Jesus that before He was exalted, He had to die. And before He died, He had to humble Himself, didn't He? So if Jesus went through that process of exaltation or for exaltation, you and I are going to go through the same process. And we define humility as an act of obedience to God and submission to His will over our own will and desires. Humility is an act of obedience to God. Whenever we make a decision to obey God, whenever we make a decision to follow His word, rather than just the way we feel about it, we are being humble. And when we humble ourselves, it would lead to a place of death to self. And it will put us in a place where God can truly exalt us the way He desires to. Every time you make a choice to obey God, you are giving the Holy Spirit the permission to minister death to selfishness in that area of your life and provide grace for the production of the virtue of the fruit of Christ in that area of your life. So today we're going to be talking about the process that the Spirit of God uses to bear fruit in our lives. Look at James chapter 1 verse 2. We're looking at the process this morning. It says, my brothers, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, into various tests, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now remember, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Yeah, one of these things that we just read about. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, But let or allow patience to have its perfect work, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy when you fall into various tests or trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, the word testing there is a Greek word, dokimazo. And dokimazo speaks about when you put something that has been pre-approved under test. Something that has already been pre-approved as being able to handle it. When you put that thing on the test, it's a little bit like what happens when somebody who is a, who is a certified surgeon, who has gone to university, who has had experience, goes into, um, um, uh, uh, into a surgery to carry out surgery. He's been tested. He's not tested in order to show whether he can pass or fail, but he has already been approved, hasn't he? So when he is being tested by the circumstance, he is given the opportunity to demonstrate his expertise. He said, count it a thing of joy when you go through all kinds of tribulations and all kinds of tests, knowing this, that your, your faith, your faith has already been pre-approved to handle it. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So when things come against us, you know, it is not just the fact that you have a test that it, that develops you. When a test comes against you, when you meet that test with your faith, When you meet that test with your faith in the word of God, that process of meeting that test with your faith in the word will cause you to overcome it and it will cause you to develop the virtue of patience. When we apply faith in the word to the tests and trials of our lives, it produces faith patience, which as I said earlier, is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is aiming to produce in our lives. James said, let patience have its full work in you. Don't try to circumvent the process. Say to your neighbor, don't circumvent the process. You know, in verse 17 of James chapter 1, the Bible says that all good and perfect gifts come from above, the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Verse 13 says that when we are tempted or we are tried, we shouldn't say that we are tempted of God because God does not tempt anyone with evil. Alright? God is not going to try to develop you with evil. He's not going to try to bring sickness into your life to tempt you or to develop you. However, however, even though the sickness may come as a result of the devil or as a result of the fact that we are in a falling world, God is not going to prevent you from going through the test. He's going to allow the test to come because you already have something on the inside of you. You already have the word of God which guarantees that you will overcome in every situation. What you and I must do is as tests come, as trials come, as the devil tries to steal and kill and to destroy... What we are meant to do is to stand against that test with the word. And when we stand against the test with the word, 
it develops something on the inside of us. It develops this virtue called patience. It develops character. And God will use tribulation to develop his strength on the inside of you as you apply your faith in the word of God to those circumstances. I mean, it's a little bit like um, going to the gym. I mean, just because you have weights in the gym and you carry weights and you lie down under a weight does not develop you, does it? It is the pushing against the weight that develops you. Isn't that correct? All right? It is when you push against the weight. You push against the weight. That is what develops you. The Bible says, count it all joy. When you go through all kinds of tribulations, because you have this knowledge that as things come against you, don't be asking, okay, why did this happen? Just recognize that, well, whatever comes against me, I have the power to overcome. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith in God. So when things come against you, think, okay, not why is it coming, but think, okay, how can I apply my faith against this thing? Because when I apply my faith against it, I will overcome. But not only will I overcome, I will develop the virtue of patience, the fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit aims to produce in my life. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is what? Unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use... Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So it's saying here that spiritual immaturity is not purely the result of being fed the wrong thing. The reason why people remain spiritually immature is not because they necessarily went to the wrong church or they sat under a pastor that gave them wrong teaching. He said the reason why people stay immature is because they avoid the process. Everyone say avoid the process. When they are given the opportunity to use that which they have learned, they avoid that process. The Bible says that strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, who have matured, who by reason of use. Look at what the Amplified Version says. Look at the Amplified Version Of that same verse. Verse 14 says. But solid food is for full grown men. For those whose senses and mental faculties. Are trained by practice. Everyone say trained by practice. To discriminate and distinguish. Between what is morally good and noble. And what is evil and contrary. Even to divine or human law. So maturity is the result of being trained by practice. Being trained by practice. So when the opportunity comes against you, when the circumstance comes against you, ah, you remember what you were taught and you use it. It is when you use what you have been taught, is when you stand up by faith to the word against a circumstance that it develops you and develops your maturity. 
You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says that no temptation has befallen you except what is common to man. But it says that God is faithful. So that he will always make a way of escape. Yeah, with every temptation that you may be able to bear it. You know, sometimes people think that uh, that verse says that he will make a way of escape so that he can avoid the temptation. It says he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The word bear is the Greek word hupomone, which means to stand up under it. It is what happens when people who build weights go into the, into the gym and they're bench pressing and they stand up against the weight. The way of escape that God will provide for you is not a way to avoid the trial or to avoid the temptation. The way of escape is the counsel of his word that provides faith for you to believe so that when that thing comes against you, you can stand against it by faith. And it's by standing against it by faith in the word that develops your spiritual muscles. That develops your spiritual maturity. So tribulations, tests and trials are not only important but they are necessary for your spiritual growth. Tribulations, tests and trials are not only important but they are necessary for your spiritual growth. And just because you face tribulation doesn't mean you will grow. It is what you do in the midst of the tribulation that determines whether you grow or not. Are you with me this morning? It is how you deal with that offense, that situation that comes against you. But the Christian life is not a life of, you know, where God shelters you from pressure. That is not the life. I mean, if somebody sold you that, they sold you the wrong thing. Yeah, The Christian life is not a life that shelters you from pressure. No, it is a life in which you have the answer. The answer is Christ. And through Christ you are able to overcome. But it is only as you apply your faith in the word, as you apply your faith in Christ against these pressures that you grow. Because the, the, the work of God in your life is not to avoid temptation. It is to help you express the fruit of Christ, isn't it? And the fruit of Christ is expressed as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God as we go through trials and tests and tribulations. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 3. I just want to establish the doctrinal basis for this and I'm going to give you a lot of examples today. You know, you'll notice that um, in the Apostle Paul's letters, uh, if you check out any of the epistles, the first few chapters are always about doctrine. Who you are in Christ. What Christ did in you. And the last few chapters are always about the practical application of these things. So we need to establish a foundation of truth. And then I'll give you some very practical examples. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 3. I'd like to start from verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access. By faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we rejoice in the expectation of, of, uh, of God's glory in our lives, which happens now and, and, uh, and when Jesus is revealed. But then he goes on. He says not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Is there anyone that's gloried in tribulations recently? You know, you went through some kind of pressure you didn't anticipate. And you, you said, wow, glory to God. I mean, but Paul is saying, you know, we, we, we glory in the revelation of Christ. Yes, we're going to spend eternity with him forever. 
We're going to reign and rule with him as kings. We glory in that. But not only in that also. But we also glory in tribulations. Now that's a bit weird, doesn't it? Isn't it? But it's only weird if we have the wrong way of thinking. He says we glory in tribulations. Knowing. Everyone say knowing. You know, we're not just people that just like pressure. (laughs) Yeah? I mean, nobody just likes lifting weights. Do you know that? When you see this guy straining under the weight, it's not because they just have a, you know, an appetite for being under pressure. They're doing it because of something they know. Are you with me? Their attitude is exciting because of something they know. It says, knowing this, that tribulation will produce perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. You know, we want the character, but we don't want the tribulation. That's not the way it works. It says we glory when we go through pressure because we know that when we go through that pressure correctly, it will produce something in our lives. It will produce godly character. So God is going to lead you through a path where you have the opportunity for godly character to be produced in your life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. I want you to see this categorically in the word. So that you will be encouraged. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. It says, in this you greatly... What's the next word? Now isn't this very different from our own brand of Christianity? We see Paul talking about glory in tribulation. We see Peter rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing? He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be... You have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold. But you know, gold is tested by fire, isn't it? So if gold, which is a carnal, earthly thing that will pass away, is tested by fire, guess what? Your faith is much more precious than that. So your faith will also be tested by fire. Now, now, what you need to understand is that when gold is tested, the test is not there to destroy the gold. The test is there to purify the gold. You know, I was doing some studying about gold and how gold is refined. Apparently, refining gold with, with gold with fire is one of the oldest methods used for purifying gold. And apparently, it's still the most preferable method, especially for large quantities of gold, if you want to purify large quantities of gold. Now, in the ancient times, this form of refining involved a craftsman sitting next to a hot fire with molten gold in a crucible. And the gold was heated to temperatures of over a thousand degrees degrees Celsius. That's very hot, isn't it? A thousand degrees. And as the refiner stared the gold, as it was being heated, the impurities in the gold or the dross of the gold will float to the surface. And then he will skim off the impurities. And that was the process in which gold was refined. So the fire will not destroy you. Your faith has been pre-approved to overcome. 
What the fire of tribulation will do is it will bring the impurities in your life to the surface. And when those things come to the surface and you submit yourself to God and you stand on the word, the dross in your life will be skimmed off by that process and truly the fruit of the spirit will be evident in your life. You know, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, Incidentally, the word Gethsemane is an Aramaic word, Gethsemanim. And that word literally means oil press or the crushing place. Everyone say the crushing place. Apparently in Gethsemane, there was actually an olive, um, like, like uh, an olive press. And what they did was to produce olive oil, they would get olives and put it through this um through a crushing process. And it was through that crushing process that olive oil came out of the olives. Now, it's, in- it's interesting that Gethsemane was Jesus' crushing place, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his crushing place. It was the place of the greatest tribulation. But as he was facing that tribulation, as he was being crushed by that tribulation, the Bible says he submitted himself to God and said, God, not my will but thine be done. As a result of that, he died to self and the oil of God flowed out of his life, didn't it? The oil of God flowed out of his life. So the Lord is going to allow you to be stirred under the great fires of tribulation and trial. He will allow you to be poked. So that, so that like Jesus, when you make the choice to humble yourself, that virtue of God that resides in Christ, which is on the inside of you, will flow unhindered out of your life. You know, the job of the gold refiner wasn't an easy one. It was a dangerous occupation. I mean, nobody wants to sit next to gold that is, that is being boiled at a thousand degrees centigrade. Who wants to do that here, you know? You are the one staring the gold. You know, the gold can pop and, and pop into your face. But because the Lord loves us, the book of Malachi says that he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Because he loves you, he will risk sitting next to you as he's staring you in that fire. As he allows you to be stared in that fire. You know, some people pop and they blame God, don't they? They go through a little thing and pop. God, I've been selling you all this time. Why, why, why in the world are you allowing this to happen to me? He stares, he keeps staring. Because he loves us. This is the process. We are not meant to be trying to avoid tribulation. We are meant to know that when they come, we have something on the inside of us that we can face them with. And when we face them correctly, not only will we overcome every tribulation, in the process, the virtue of God will be produced in our lives. I remember many years ago, you know, when I started my career um, in the UK, I used to work for Marks and Spencer. I was in head office in Baker Street. I was actually the only Nigerian in IT in head office at the time. You know, and, and, you know, I was a Christian, um, born again. I, I got this job by faith, you know, when everyone around me said, you know what, you know, in this country, you know, black people can't, you know, how, how everyone talks about how things are impossible. But I got the work, the job by faith. But I was the only black, the only Nigerian in head office at the time. Now I was very conscientious and, um, I was developing, 
I developed this. I was in IT. I developed this system. Um, I, I'd written the specification. I, I'd done the development. So my boss was very impressed with me. You know? So one day, I was just going about my business. He said, Carlton, I've called um, all the heads of departments together. I said, okay, Ross. He said, I'd like you to come and do a presentation to them about this system you developed. I said, what? Me? He said, yeah. Now, all these people that I'd been admiring and thinking, man, these guys are so smart. White people. I didn't know how they had an issue until that day. We're all seated in this room. And he said, okay, Carlton, do the presentation. Now, on that day, I choked. Do you know what choking means? I got, now, I knew this system. I mean, I knew it. Inside out. I, I wrote it. I developed it. I lived and breathed it for like six months. But I stood in front of these people to give up. It was the first presentation in my life. I stood in front of these people to give a presentation. And I forgot everything. My throat went dry. I felt I was going to pass out. Honestly, I, I can't describe to you exactly how it. And these guys were all sitting down waiting for the presentation. And I began to stutter. I know you can't imagine that right now. I began to stutter. And I stumbled through the presentation. Now, now was I a Christian? Yes, I was. But I had not been trained by practice to be more conscious of the greater one on the inside of me than those who were sitting in front of me. The reason why I was, um, I choked was because I was self-conscious. Do you know what self-conscious means? I was thinking about myself. How do I look in front of these people? Will they approve of me? Uh, uh, you know, I am black after all. Do I have something that will be able to impress these people? I was a Christian, but I had not been trained by practice. You know, the, the Lord allowed me to go through that. He didn't say, oh, my son has not been trained. Oh, let, me, let me cover him. No. On that day, I stood and there was no second person to stand in. Are you with me this morning? I'm telling you about the process. There was no second person to stand in to, you know, just step and say, oh, Carlton, okay. Let, no, no, no. I stood there. And I experienced it. And I, and I went through it. Now when I left. I went to the word. You know 1 John 4, 4 says. Greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. So it now became a practice of mine. To always think about that. Now yes I, I like to prepare for things. I, I like to apply myself. But, but it wasn't because I wasn't prepared that I choked. It was because I was conscious of myself. I was thinking about me. How others would approve of me. I had to change that. I had to change that. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, you should be prepared. But you must draw on the greater one on the inside of you every time. Rather than draw from yourself and your own ability. Now, fast forward a few years. Now, now since then, I, I had this practice of wherever I was, I always thought about the greater one on the inside of me. I allowed myself to keep going down and down and the, the, the consciousness of the greater one to continue to rise on the inside through meditation, through the word of God. Now, now fast forward a few years, and I'm used to that now. I mean, I, I still like being prepared for stuff. But I go to a lot of places that I'm not prepared, and they just call me out. I know when they, when they call me out, the first thing I think about, honestly, the first thing I think about is greater 
is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, I remember, it was not a very good example, but I, I've been through all kinds of situations, you know. Um, I, I remember a funeral service I attended, and here I was pretty distraught, you know. And they just called my name. They said, come and, come and say a few words. And I thought, me? And the first thing that came up on my, in my heart was, you know, greater is he that is in me. I am used to getting to places where they, they, they get my name wrong. It happens to me a lot. More often than I have any understanding about. They'll, they'll, about to, they'll call everyone's name right. But when they get to my name, they'll say Pastor Clifton. They'll say Carlton. They'll say all kinds of, you know, all kinds of modifications of my name. And whereas before, I would be so self-conscious and so angry. That how, I mean, what kind of stupid people are these? Now, I thank God because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, sometimes everyone think that maybe the Lord is just bragging about me. You know, when the Lord brags about you, he says, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil comes to poke a little bit to see if Job is... Uh, I, I, I have that happened a lot. But you know, if that situation hadn't happened to me in 85 or 80, it was 88, I wouldn't have learned the process of developing by practice. Practicing this thing. Yeah, God wanted to help me live a life that was independent of other people. Independent of whether people accepted me or didn't accept me. God wants you to be to build your consciousness based on him and him alone. Not in how, how well you look, how well you sound. He wants your strength to be drawn from him and not from anything else. And he will put you through a process to allow that to happen. Now, a few years ago, this is um, after we moved to Nigeria. You know, here I am, you know, we start High Life Church. And, um, you know, I don't really know a lot of ministers in town. So I've been thinking of an opportunity to connect with, with some ministers. So I heard about this program that was going to be happening at the Civic Center, you know. So I thought, oh, I would attend the program and just, you know, get to meet a, new, a few people, you know, I was the new boy in town and all that. But I thought, you know, just a minister's meeting. So I just went in my jeans, you know, I went in my jeans and, and um, a, a white shirt and a jacket, you know, smart casual. But as I got there, there were all these guys. I know how ministers can be. Everybody was, you know. Everyone was decked to the hilt. And the person that was conducting this program was somebody who is known to be very, you know, very precise, you know, very high spec. So I thought, well, no, I'll just sit in the back. I just want to, you know, I just want to, you know. So anyway, I get there and um, I meet somebody that, a friend of mine who I had known for years. And the friend said, oh, Carlton, you're around. I said, yes, I'm around. He said, oh, I, I want you to go and sit in front. I said, no, no. I'm quite happy where I am. He said, okay. And then everything began, you know, all the meetings, the meeting started. And I thought, hey, praise the Lord, you know. So then the, the assistant officiating man came to me and said, oh, we would like you to pray. You know, the first thing that came out in my heart, greater is, it, is he that is in me. He said, we would like you to pray. Now, when, you see, this prayer thing is very important also. Because when it comes to prayer, you know, I don't, I'm not an eloquent prayer. And the Lord knows that. Alright, I believe just pray. You know, there's not, you know, I know how some people, it just rolls. <laughs> Have you noticed there's some people that will pray and it will just roll with finesse. 
All the guys were seated. I was in my jeans and a jacket. Most people didn't even know who I was. I could tell them most people were thinking, how did this guy get? And as I'm walking to the stage, I said, well, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I'm thinking to the Lord, Lord, give me some words, some prayer words I can use. No? You are going to pray that prayer and you pray by faith. You see, the Lord wants, the Lord wants to put you in a place where you live a life that is independent of others. And He's going to guide you through a process to allow that to happen. So here I am on stage and I pray. I just pray, you know, like I pray. And as I get off to get, go to the back, they sat me in front. I know how all this means. They have these video guys, so they zoom in. I said, Lord, well, whatever you want to do with me, do it. And then the main guy who was doing the meeting was praying for people. Now came to me and gave me a prophecy. I was like, great. You know, when we graduated from Bible school, I went to a school called Grace, or a school of the local church, which is part of Grace Church in Tulsa. And my pastor is Pastor Bobby Andrian, and he's known throughout the U.S. for being a great teacher of the word. And, and their main doctrine, I mean, he teaches across um, the whole world, but the thing they are known for is grace. That's why they're called Grace Church. And there's some, act, I mean, this, I mean, this, he's just a phenomenal teacher of the word. So when I graduated from Bible school and, um, you know, moved to, I went back to England to pastor a church and, um, they called me and said, Oh, Carlton would like you to come and minister to us. And, and I was preaching to a couple of churches. They said, Hey, come to Grace on Wednesday to preach. So I thought, great. I mean, that would be great to go back to preach. So in my mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to think about what have I been studying on that could really, you know, really impress people. We're talking about the process of death here. Okay, that the life of Christ will come out of your life. So I went to pray. I said, Lord, you know, they've asked me, Pastor Bob has asked me to come and preach. What would you like me to talk about? He said, I'd like you to preach on grace. I said, what? Grace? Lord, can't I? He said, I want you to preach on grace. I thought, but Lord, they know everything about grace. He said, I I want you to preach on grace. So I prepare. I get up on the stage. My pastor is in front. My dean of Bible school is in front. And I said, I'm going to teach on grace today. And they opened their Bibles. They were ready to take notes. And I preached the word of God that day. But, But, you know, when I did that, it was, an, it was an opportunity for humility. You know, when these things come across or come against you, you have an opportunity to make a decision. Am I going to go my way, the way that, that fans the flesh? Or am I going to submit myself to the Lord? Now, if you choose to go through the path of submission, something will die in you that day. You know, that day something died in me and that was the need to impress people. It's a process, by the way. It's not instant. It's not just one circumstance that brings that. But, but the need to, to, to rest on yourself, the need to impress people, the need to be, to receive an accolade from others to, to make you think you are doing well. The freedom to impress people with new revelation. You're not a carrier of new revelation. You're a servant of Christ. And it's by obeying Him with your life. That it will actually bring 
grace into the lives of people. So the Lord will allow you to, um, to go to a party where you get a VIP pass. And then you get to the party and realize that there's VVVIP. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you before? Yeah? They, they give you the VIP but you think, man, praise God. They are finally acknowledging how far we have come. But then you get there in front of that. Everybody had a VIP pass. But the, the people that they are really trying to acknowledge have VVV. They don't, VVVIP. And, and when that happens, and some, something will rise up. It's called dross. will rise up to the surface. Yeah, it will rise up to the surface. And then you have the opportunity to either fight everybody and say, don't you know who I am? Or to accept that, you know what? I, I am accepted by the Lord and I, I'm, maybe I'm just VIP anyway. But he accepts me. They will call you pastor instead of bishop. They will call you mister instead of lawyer, so-so and so, or doctor, so-so and so. Yeah? Those things will happen. Because the Lord will always take you through a process. Where the dross comes to the surface. You know, it's a little bit like we have some young people in church today. We have a lot of our urban guys um, in church. And a few weeks ago, I made a decision that, okay, we're going to, you know, especially since we're moving to the new building, we're going to have, um, you know, everyone together. I know some of the guys, some of you guys would prefer to be on campus than here. And when we try to discover, uh, to find out why, it's because some of the guys feel a little bit intimidated by you folk. Yeah, by the adults. It's like, man, how are they going to, how are they going to regard me? How are they going to, I mean, I feel intimidated in their presence. Well, how do you think the Lord is going to break that except by putting you in a context where that comes to the surface? You have the opportunity right now to act on the word rather than hiding behind the props. You, you know the props that people hide behind? The money, the cars. The wealth. And then we cover ourselves up with it to hide how we really feel about ourselves. But the Lord will put you in a situation where everybody knows you don't have any money. You don't have the props yet. It's okay. And in this situation, the Lord wants you to put your faith in him rather than in those props. He wants you to find in the word the fact that you are accepted in the beloved. And even though everybody knows you don't have the props, you can still stand and say, how you doing? My name is Ade. And on the inside, you, you know that God accepts you. And on the basis of that, you speak to people. And he wants that to be the situation. Even when you get a job and you get promoted, he still wants you to see yourself as someone accepted by the Lord rather than, oh, now I have the props. So it's now the props I'm resting on. Because it is when we are weak in ourselves that his virtue and his life comes out of us. But if we don't take opportunity of the, of, of the situations he provides to accept the word and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we will never be exalted in due time. You know, when I went to Bible school, man, I've got so many stories, I need to stop. When I went to Bible school, I, um, you know, we left our church, the church we, we, were, we were part of in the UK to go to Bible school. And, you know, the pastor was not very happy. That we went to Bible school. I don't know what it is. Sometimes, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they talk about, you know, being released from churches and the problems that are associated with that. Anyway, so I said, well, you know, God is leading us to go to Bible school. So we went. But he was so upset that he told people not to talk to us anymore. I was like, what? 
Wait, Wahala, my cousin now. He told him not to talk to us. And of course, he didn't tell people what the problem was. So they just assumed that since the man of God said, don't talk to them, then they must have done something really bad. Now, I always had this need to set the record straight. I always had this need of, you know, wanting to be accepted by people as a nice guy. Because I am a nice guy. And that really hurts me because how do you explain to several thousand of thousand people that this is what actually happened? Yeah? How, how do you do that? Now, one of two things can happen. You will either get angry and go the way of the flesh and you call everybody you know and say, this is what happened, though. this is what he did, this is what... Or you take that feeling that you are having, that pain, because it's real pain. Yeah, you know, when you are when when fire is burning at a thousand degrees, it's pain. You have the option of taking that pain to the cross and say, God, this is how I feel about this. I'm gonna let this man go and forgive him. Now, that was what I decided to do. But it was painful. It was very painful. But by doing that, something died in me that day. Something, something died. That, that need to want people to, to know, to understand, to see your point of view. You know, when, when Jesus was falsely accused, he did not have a need, feel the need to correct the views of everybody. Even though he was falsely accused, right? The Bible says that when he was falsely accused, he, cl- he, he closed his mouth. Why? Because God had delivered him from that need for people to feel that he was right. Because you need to be freed from that in order to serve God and to honor God with your life. It's amazing how many things we do as ministers or as people because we want others to approve of us. We want the wife to approve. We want the family to approve. We want your friend to approve. Even the person that doesn't know you. <laughs> as you're walking down the road, you want them to approve. So our lives are no longer about what God desires to do in us. It's about everybody else. But you see, the Lord is going to take you through situations where you are given the opportunity to submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. And that thing will die. I mean, a few years later, after we, um, we left Bible school and went back to London to start a church, of course, the pastor had already cut us off at this time. And we just started the church. I remember within a few months of starting the church, I, I, I came across this minister who was a minister in town. And I sat down with him. I said, oh, we've just started a church. And he said to me, oh, yes, somebody, this guy told me about your church. I said, okay. He was saying that he was thinking of joining your church. But I told him not to join. <laughs> I was like, am I the only person on planet Earth, Jesus? He said, I... This was not his. I was sitting in front of him. I said, oh, really? So I said, why? He said, well, you, have not, you haven't proved yourself yet. Because I, I feel that, you know, you, got, you need to be in ministry for at least five years. And in my mind, I thought, well, fool, if, if everybody, if everyone that was going to come doesn't come, how am I going to prove myself? <laughs> but, but then, when that happened, I had a choice. I could do one of two things. I could either decide that, you know what, I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a minister proving to you. In fact, in this... 
I will show you that God indeed has called me. Or I could choose to focus on the person who already approved of me before he called me. And follow him instead. You see, it, 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 and I was pained. I was pained. See that pain? I took it to the cross and said, Jesus. I, I felt it in my bones. When you are under fire, guess what happens? Comes up. I, di- I didn't know I could be so angry. But the day I submitted that to God, something died in me that day. That's the need to impress people. Are you with me? The need to, to rest on people approving of me and accepting me and validating me. I and mean, we all need a, a measure of that. But let your validation come from the Lord first. Otherwise, your life will be a mess. Your life will be a mess. And, and you know, that's why Jesus said, I don't receive honor from men. Now, he wasn't saying that it, it, was not, it was wrong for people to honor him. But he said, I don't crave people's honor. My life is not about people's honor. I receive my honor from God first. But for that to happen, he had to go through circumstances where that will be tested. And it was by submitting to God in those circumstances that caused that aspect of his life to die. You see, these things we are talking about are not to create a thick skin, to help you develop a thick skin. Because how many of you know that a thick skin is, is really a protection of self, isn't it? People that have a thick skin that say things like, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, words wouldn't hurt me. There are people who have been hurt by something and they are still nursing the hurt so that they are protecting themselves. But you know, when Jesus went through the circumstances, because he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, rather than it developing a thick skin, it produced empathy on the inside of him. Because the Bible says that the Lord learned obedience through the things he suffered. And because of the things he suffered, because he went through them properly, now he is a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. The reason why he has empathy for us is because he went through the same thing and he did not overcome by the flesh. He overcame by submitting himself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says that by his stripes, we are healed. But believe me, it is by the stripes you and I receive. When we go through those stripes correctly, that you and I also receive the power to heal other people. And that is why I believe that I have more empathy now. When I see someone going to Bible school, I want to get behind them. Because I know how it was like for me. When I see someone starting out, I want to help them. Because I know how I wasn't helped. But if I had, I had decided, and I could have, but if I had decided to respond in the flesh, now I'll be protecting myself from everybody else as well. Do you know that? So the Bible says, count it all joy. When you go through various tests and tribulations, knowing this, that when things come against your faith, when pressure comes against you, God is not, he's not going to, you know, suddenly prevent those things from happening. No, he will allow you to go through stuff. But everything you go through is an opportunity for you to apply the word to it. And when you apply the word to it, two things will happen. One, the self-life will die. And two, the grace of God will be supplied because you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and God always 
gives grace to the humble. God always gives grace to the humble. So I just want to encourage you today. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about. I've got pages and pages of examples here. But I want to encourage you today. That God is on your side. Recognize that tribulations, tests and trials are important agents. In bringing to pass the purpose of God for your life. When you stand under them with the word of God. The precious fruit of the spirit is developed in you. Self is crucified. And the power of the Christ life is demonstrated in your life. And you become useful for the master. You become useful to him to do that which he desires. Well, we're just going to, um, we're going to break bread together. We're just going to break bread together. And, and, um, as, as we, as we have communion together, as we have communion together, I want us to remind ourselves of these things. I want us to remind ourselves of these things. God is on your side, but he's going to take you through a process. He's going to take you through a process. And when you go through the process, remember that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't avoid the process. Don't try to circumvent it. Stand under your tribulations and tests with the word of God. Hallelujah. You know, in James chapter 5 verse 10, the Bible says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we, bl- we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He, he loves you with an everlasting love. And it's because of the love of the Lord that he allows us to go through some stuff. Giving us the opportunity To stand against those tribulations with the word. Developing capacity on the inside of us. So that we can be useful for the master. Lord we're so thankful. For the word of God. We're so thankful oh God because we are the people of God. People of covenant. And this morning. We remember the fact. That greater is he that is in us. Than he that is in the world. We remember the fact that you'll never leave us, nor forsake us. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that in our circumstances and in our situations, we know, oh God, that you are on our side. So rather than running away, rather than being fearful, Lord, we glory in tribulations. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. As we eat the bread this morning and drink the cup, we testify to the fact that God, you are our helper. You are our helper. You are our helper. You are our helper. And it is upon your strength that we rest and rely. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Let us eat the bread together. The Bible says his body was broken for us.